Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Africa Business of Sport podcast with myself and my new lovely co-host Sean Osimbo. This is the first of our hashtag women's sports dev series which we are very excited about and have been planning this for a very long time. Sean came on as our only choice to be the face of this series because she's a really experienced young lady in this field. She has over a decade worth of experience interviewing some of the most iconic people like Luther Matthews, Cherry Henry, Rio Ferdinand, Mark Klattenberg, and now the very astute Marianne Otamendi. Welcome, Sean, and welcome, Marianne. Sean, I've already mentioned Marianne's name, but who do we have today? Yes, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Adam, for this opportunity. I'm very excited to be part of the Africa Business of Sport podcast. And this is the first episode. So everyone, welcome to the first episode of the uh, Women's Sports Development Series. This series is meant to highlight the growth of women's sports across the world, especially in Africa. It will also celebrate women involved in sports. And that's why we have our guest today. And just before we get to that, all the conversations in this series will make the masses rethink how we state, present, and solve problems in women's sport. From education to partnerships and sponsorships, we are going to talk about it all, Adam. Uh, so for the first episode, drum rolls, we are humbled to be joined by Marian Otamendi, the director of the World Football Summit. It's such a pleasure. I am humbled to actually start this uh, development series on this note. And the summit, that is the WF Summit, FS Summit, provides a platform where the football industry's leading stakeholders meet to shape the future of the beautiful game, that is football or soccer, as they call it in the United States. Welcome to the show, Marion. Thank you very much, Sean and Adam, for inviting me. I'm delighted to be here with you today. And just briefly, who's Marian, who's Marian Otamendi? Well, uh, Marian is a humble entrepreneur and a very hardworking lady. Okay. So I was engaged in World Football Summit since its inception, together with uh, my partner, Jan Alessi. We, we funded World Football Summit together with the idea of really giving voice to this powerful industry because you are talking about this the beautiful game but there is beautiful business before uh, behind the beautiful game so we came to realize that only in Spain and going back to data of uh, 2018 1.4% of GDP is actually the business industry of football so you can imagine we are talking here in euros 15000 euros okay of business so we saw that there was a big, big uh, business, but that there was not a sort of events uh, helping the industry to gather together. Okay, so this is why we set it up with great success, I must say, because ever since we have hosted 15 events in three different continents, uh, as Adam knows last one, we had the pleasure of being with him in November in, in Durban, South Africa great time we had over there and uh, more than 1200 speakers have joined us since we had over 24,000 attendees so really we pride ourselves in saying that we are the meeting points of the football industry 
And, and and that is wonderful. I, I love how you've broken it down. 15 events. Uh, this is since the inception in 2016. More than 1,200 speakers, more than 20,000 attendees, 542 clubs involved in this, 91 leagues and federations also involved in this, and bringing together 2,984 companies. What Tell us about the impact the summit has had on the game across the world. Well, as, as you know, the, the football industry is in a big process of getting professionalized. Okay, we are really moving just from the sports to the business side. So in this sense, we are helping out in this process because obviously we are gathering together all the relevant actors that are really the leaders and, and, and people that are referenced in the 360 of the ecosystem of football. And in this sense, uh, I have to say that we are contributing to the growth by means of getting more content to people, giving out uh, examples of best practices, um, giving also success cases with um, uh, companies doing applications for football clubs, football clubs being able to engage better with the audience and, and telling us on the stage. So this means that somehow we are giving path to all this growth. And also because um, I know of plenty of business that have taken, uh, that have been closed because of World Football Summit, that people came across, did they networking, met the right people, and, and they have been able to grow together. So in that sense, humbly, I would say that we are really contributing today to strengthening this powerful sector. I, I was actually just going to bring you into the conversation and how we have seen uh, the World Football uh, Summit just do this when it comes to also the African co continent. And you are there with Jabu. Talk to us about your experience and also you can take it away with uh, Marian to talk about at the next point. One thing that I do really remember at World Football Summit Africa in Durban last year was the fact that everyone was so involved to participate in what Africa really has to offer because for a very long time, mm -hmm. you and I and even Marianne know for a fact that we as a continent have been lagging within the business side of sports. What we do know very well is the on-field and even with that, we're not as good as we think we are but God being so good last year, Morocco <laughs> really did as part of the World Cup but on the business side, we haven't been very astute. We haven't been very innovative. We haven't been very tenacious with our approach. But at World Football Summit Africa, everyone who spoke from speakers, from um, the people who interacted with the speakers, from people who were part of panel discussions, really got to understand, number one, the impact that is currently on the continent. Number two, the potential that is currently on the continent, and number three, how those individuals, but whether it being organizations or people themselves, can play a role in growing the continent. And for me, I was able to get so many ideas and even people who are willing to come on the podcast. Now, that is an impact of such a conference because now you've improved on your network, you've improved on your knowledge area, you've improved on networking, which would lead to um, projects potentially in the future. I follow World Football Summit earnestly on LinkedIn, and I see all the articles that are written. I see the podcast conversations that come through. That indeed is the impact of such an important summit because it's not one where we just gather and talk, 
but we gather talk and then we apply. So once the application comes through, you can see firsthand the beauty of the impact. Marianne, you and Jan and your wonderful team spent time in Durban, South Africa last year. And I do know that in 2020, you were supposed to come through and even have the event earlier. I was telling Jan on the episode when he came that it probably didn't happen because Jabu and I needed to be there for it to really and truly be wonderful. And I know you guys have been following African football for a very long time. What are your thoughts on the kind of football that we play here, both on the business and on-field side, and where are truly the areas for growth? I spare your thoughts. Well, Adam, um, obviously Africa is, is a continent with really untapped opportunities. I know that this sounds like a bit of a cliche, but it is so right. And there are so many things to do on the football. On Obviously, more academies have to come up. I know that the Spanish La Liga is, for example, working very hard on trying to get more academies across uh, Africa, because at the end of the day, you have formidable uh, physical conditions, you love the game. So the more little kids are trained properly, the more they are going to get to the big leagues. No, So this is one uh, pending thing to do. Another one, obviously, is to grow the industry altogether, but um, you have to consider that even in Spain, there is such a huge gap in between the main clubs, be it Real Madrid and, and Football Club Barcelona and perhaps Atletico de Madrid. The ones coming behind, obviously at different levels, but, you know, there is such a huge gap. So, you know, they are also in the process of growing. So it seems to me that same thing is happening in, in Africa. I was really surprised, nicely surprised at our event in Durban, seeing how people were consuming every single content that we were bringing to the main stage, you know. Normally here in Europe, um, if you are into technology or into investments or into performance, you go to the chats or to the panels that are really related to your, your specialization, no? Whereas in, uh, in Africa, everybody was so excited about everything. I could feel that there was such an eagerness to learn. And this is the stepping stone of growing the whole industry, okay? So obviously lots of things remain to be done. Um, more clubs, more institutions, more relevant people, real professionals like you guys, you know, have to come up and educate people and inspire people. But it seems to me that somehow the, the, the snowball is already moving. I'm glad you have highlighted the areas of, you know, education when it comes to that, um, you know, that stakeholders also in Africa educating the masses on the importance of, you know, uh, women in sports and also the women who are involved in sports and also just football across the continent. You have also touched on, you know, the business side of it and, you know, also the growth when it comes to player development, um, talent development, bringing up the academies. And we hope, you know, the leaders are also listening to this and they may understand how important it is to support that growth. So let's just uh, uh, move on to, to the next uh, stage where this 
these past few years, we've seen undeniable growth of women's, um, the growth of women's football across the world. We have seen record-breaking figures across all fronts in terms of attendance, investment, broadcasting, and overall fan interest. These are some of the main topics that are always discussed in nearly all WFS events. We have seen, you know, the WFS table guests who held conversations on women's football. Just how important is this topic about women's football to the World Football Summit? It is super, super important. We have been pushing really hard for women's football since uh, 20, well, since the beginning, really, but already in year 2017, we did our first uh, women's football summit. Okay. We did it at a loss because we couldn't get any sort of sponsoring whatsoever. Can you imagine? Okay. But we have been pushing since the beginning. Adam knows that uh, in last um, last edition of World Football Summit uh, Europe um, that took place in Sevilla, over 30% of the speakers uh, were female speakers. Can you imagine in, a, in an industry that is still so overwhelmingly led by, by men? All, I mean, it's really... A, 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 a male-led industry. Yeah. No? Still, we were we were um, uh, we were able to find this because all the speakers, the female speakers, let me tell you that all of them were really exceeding in their work. They were not there just because they were female, but because they were really outstanding profiles. Okay. So in that sense, we really pushed the industry to to make sure that they understand the importance of. Um, of having more ladies in the in the in the boards and in the committees. If you take the the main Spanish football clubs, not to speak of of the uh, fewer important, but if you take the main clubs and and you see the the the, the configuration of the boardroom, you know, I mean, it really depresses you. One lady in one, another one of. I mean, it's really depressing, no? But we are here. To, to, to change that. And also, um, so for that, we need to push, we need to, to, to make people understand that, that females can also be leading uh, in the sports industry altogether. We need new references. Um, so I, I pride myself in saying that we really push for that and perhaps them can can, can can share his thoughts with us in that sense. I mean, 100%, Marianne. What I did see was that although there, there are women who are now growing within the game and getting to understand how to become professionals as compared mm-hmm. to the men. I mean, we, we, we watched the South African team, Bayana Bayana, play so well at the WAFCON. We watched the, the, the Lionesses play so well um, during the Euros, right? But women are also growing their expertise in how to be the best marketers out there, how to be the best legal reps out there, how to be the best in partnership. One of the organizations that I earnestly follow is Fifth Pro. And in Fifth Pro, they really champion their women to lead and to be at the forefront. And one mm-hmm. campaign I really love was a campaign that had to do with the female player. And I believe was it Leon? who was pregnant and when she went on her pregnant leave, she wasn't paid her right amount of money. But due to the campaign and due to the increase and due to the prominence of women's football, 
justice came to her. And when I came for WFS Africa, I saw a lot of ladies involved in the setup, involved in the making of it. Five, 10, 15 years ago, you barely see any women at such events because the mentality was like, oh, it's for men, which is truly wrong because men and women are equals. If a man can score a bicycle kick, a woman can score a bicycle kick. If a man can lead FIFA, a woman can lead FIFA. If a man can be the best coach out there, a woman can be a best coach out there. All that both parties need is the expertise and the knowledge area is gradually increasing. Now we can see a lot of federations, a lot of organizations and a lot of sports organizations as well pushing the agenda. People like Dazon, people like Nike, people like the FA, people like World Football Summit. I mean, in this year alone, the number of Instagram posts, the number of LinkedIn posts, the number of um, WFS Digest I've read with women's football and even on the podcast alone showing that really and truly it's not just about hopping onto the hype as a lot of people would but it's about leading the hype and putting the hype on there and even at WFS Africa last year some of my favorite conversations were by you know led by women I, I, I enjoyed listening to Lola I enjoyed listening to um, what's her name again um uh, the, the lady from Badges FC, I don't know, I've forgotten her name, but she's such a close connection. People are doing things out there and all we need to do is to say that we'll hold your hands because like you alluded to Marianne, it's an industry that's predominantly dominated by men. And the only way women can come in there and make change is if we hold your hands. And this is a petition to men out there in all the boardrooms that women can't do the job. Women have proven to do the job so we just need to hold your hands and walk this journey together and at the end of the day it's not about us it's about the generations that's going to come and we mm -hmm. need to empower them to let them feel that they are all together the ubuntu of football as i always say and that is one of the pointers in this conversation that as much as it's called the women's football everyone is involved to make sure it succeeds because i know there are people who have their daughters there are people who have their sisters there are people who are the, who have their nieces when it comes to the game and when we put our hands together when we actually come together i know the women's game is going to rise even higher because the numbers are from you know the last women's world cup and also the 2015 uh, women's world cup 2015 and 20 19 and also just seeing how you know women's some of these women's teams are bringing the glory to their countries uh, for example you know in the united states we've seen what the women's team has done for the game and when we come back to africa we've seen what south africa have also done for the game compared to their male counterparts and let's not forget england their home of football that's where you know when you talk about the business of football that is where people use an, as an example and we just saw what the lionesses did in the euros so that is how serious the women's game is and if the right investment is made into it and if people as you say adam if both men and women come together that is how powerful we can see the, the rise of the women's football. And that is why I'm coming to mind. And I know you wanted to add on that and you can still add on that, but also I have to ask, so how can stakeholders capitalize on this sudden rise? Let, let's say, for example, in South Africa, England, in the US, um, the sudden rise of women's football in order to help the next generation of female footballers. Well, there are many things they, they can do. First of all, it is to realize that actually women's football 
it's a growing business. So at the end of the day, business and, and money is what moves the world, either we like it or not. This is the way it works. So women's football, um, nowadays we are seeing, as you were saying, that more and more the agendas at the stadia are growing, the audience as well are growing. So at the end of the day, it's a sort of catch-22 in the sense that the more, the more matches are televised, the more sponsors will join in and it's going to be unstoppable effects. Okay. In that sense, I think the stakeholders have a great responsibility of really um, pushing, pushing uh, for, um, for more matches to be shown on TV. Last week, as I was in Sevilla and I was doing a mentoring session with little girls. And I was really surprised because I, I asked them, hey, girls, you know, who's your favorite football player? And I, I wasn't ready to, to, to take the answer that they were all going for. They were all quoting male football players. And I was like, hello. Mm-hmm. And what about Alexia Putellas, you know? And those are the little ones. And then they were telling me, but we never get to see football on TV. So obviously, the, the, the more access we have to football, um, to female football on TV, the more people are going to be joining in and so on and so forth. And, and let me say also, it's not just about making more strong female football, but also everything that there is behind, because at the end of the day, still in Spain, uh, female football clubs are, um, uh, the, the coaches are men, their physios are men. So more and more we have to get girls taking those places. And not only on female football, but, but also on male's football, because we always say here in Spain that real equality uh, in football will, will come the day when we have a female coach in the first division. Then there will be total normality. But, you know, it seems so far away that day. And it will come for sure. But it seems really, really far from us at this point, don't you think? Um, I truly agree with you and um, I, I want to hear her name and I feel like Spain has played an important part when it comes to Asisat uh, Oshoala from Nigeria and you know she's termed as one of the greatest African female footballers of all time and one of the best in the world and as you say, Marian, I also look for the day that we can, you know, the young girls can actually be screaming. It's slowly happening and we're slowly getting there. But I feel like also we need to highlight more of, of such stories. We've seen what she has done for Barcelona. And sometimes I sit down and I say, she is supposed to be in the same, you know, league with Messi when it comes to naming footballers and mentors, or for especially for our young girls. And just her rise from, you know, one of those, uh, clubs in Nigeria her rise all the way to Spain it's such a journey that needs to be highlighted for girls across the country such conversations and, and I'm glad that's what we are doing here right now on the podcast Marianne we are talking about it so that means we are on the right path to actually highlight some of these best footballers um in the world and and also a huge also as we say thank you you know now we need to highlight these countries that have brought spotlight to some of the best female footballers and that's why we say you know thank you to spain for that uh, spotlight on narcissat thank you to the us for that spot on megan rapinoe and we, we keep on celebrating girls like that and telling our young girls that it's possible it is real it is happening and as we say it in africa it's our time now it's our time now adam 
100%. It is more than our time now. And the truth of the matter, this may even sound wild, but I'm, I can't wait for the first time a woman will become the head of CAF, a woman becomes the head of UEFA, a woman becomes the head of the Spanish La Liga, a woman, a woman becomes the head of the English FA, and the woman becomes the head of FIFA. Because really and truly, that will then put in the minds of men that this is that bridge that has been crossed. And now that it's been crossed, we can't go back. Men are always saying, oh, you know, let's empower women, let's empower women. Well, make them make them the head. Bring a woman as a president of FIFA. What stops you from doing that? It, and, and the truth of the matter is there are more than competent women to run these roles. And, and when it comes through, you and I know that corruption cases and all the other issues that come through with football will reduce because women tend to be more empathetic. Women tend to be more understanding and they would want to do things the right way, the process way. I'm, I really can't wait for a woman to head FIFA, honestly speaking. And we'll then see an increase in the broadcasting. We'll then see an increase in the campaigns. We'll then see an increase in all the conversations because really and truly, what Nike and Adidas and DAZN are doing, it's not enough. They are just a little piece of the whole sporting puzzle. And if everybody doesn't hop into it, where now there are increased conversations, schools are doing it more willingly, we see a woman heading some of the biggest organizations, then things will take a very slow pace, which shouldn't, which shouldn't be that way. But I mean, this is to the men out there. If we say you really champion women, make them the presidents, make them the head, allow them to lead, and you will see the difference. I'm I'm truly waiting. I don't know about you, Sean and Marianne, but I'm waiting for that day. <laughs> the day will come, but let me tell you something, mm -hmm. Adam. Little criticism on females, okay? It very often happens that uh, that women are given the opportunity and they don't want to take it, either because it's 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 a harder time or i don't know mm. or maybe One they're just always sometimes a bit harsh on the women marian um maybe yeah, yeah. because because when you lead an organization it will have his, its own challenges and i think women as we women we understand sometimes if something happens let's say for example a corruption case it feels like the pressure and what will be said about the woman will be way much more than giving her the space to either lead the organization out of the mess that is in or giving Facts. them time so that is what Absolutely. sometimes i think pull, pulls women behind yes marian no, 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 I, I couldn't agree more. Um, actually, the top executives ladies, um, normally they had a tougher time than males coming to the job, for sure, for sure. Yes. Mm -hmm. but, um, very often it happens that, because I always say, my, my male friends are not necessarily agree with me, but I, I say that people, uh, men normally tend to have a bigger ego than we do, okay? So very, <laughs> so very often it is the case because I know I have friends in the sports industry, female friends, and they are called for an interview and they say, no, 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 listen, no. And I always tell them, hey, you, you, you have, you have to go because you, yeah. you need to portray what you're doing. You have to be a reference for the young girls coming behind, but very often, they turn down the, the interview opportunities just because they want to keep a low profile. And this doesn't happen with men. 
I have never known a single man called by a media saying, no, no, I don't want to speak unless you are the end of Real They Madrid. present themselves like this, Marian. Male leaders, they just jump on the opportunities. Exactly. When it comes to, yes, and that is a very, very valid point. And um, that is why I know as we continue with this, podcast series we'll definitely talk about leadership in women's sports and ways we women also have to admit to ourselves areas we can improve in terms of confidence in terms of you know taking the bull by its horns and driving this this that steering the organizations into the right way because if we don't do it marian who will so that is a question we will leave to the audience to actually ponder about it how women can actually steer these organizations and also all the women leaders listening to this we have an example and and what a way to start this podcast adam marian otamendi she's the director of the world football summit so she has done it all she understands what it takes she knows how many barriers she has had to break she knows the conversations she has had to develop confidence in terms of putting it out there and continuing you know taking step by step and we've seen we are seeing the fruits of the world football summit across the world not just in africa alone across the world and i'm glad now also one thing i wanted to appreciate about the world football summit marian is how you guys have opened the bridge where Africa can learn from Europe. Europe can pick up uh, some some pointers from Africa. We can pick up some pointers from Asia. So just providing that bridge is one of the things World Football Summit uh, is known for and has succeeded. So good job, Marian. So young girls, Marian is is quite the the, the lady to look up to. And just moving on, one of the most talked about topics, Marian, is how women's football can actually sustain itself. We have. As I mentioned, and also Adam mentioned, South Africa, we have Banyana Banyana, who we saw they walked away with the WAFCON, that is um, the Euro, our, 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 our version of the Euros uh, for the women's side. We saw England walk away without Euros. We see how, you know, we can see the US are shaking up a bit. This they, 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 they want to see if they can retain that title when it comes to the Women's World Cup um, this year. And that is the main things. But and and we've seen the hype. So let's compare it to you know Argentina winning the World Cup last year. And you know when when it comes to that, you see the academies in Argentina. You know everyone is being serious. Everyone is investing there. So the hype actually brings the investment, brings the conversations. But for women's football, there have been you know reports here and there that we we do not live to grab the hype. So how can women's football sustain in, itself? How can women's national teams and club find the right sponsors and partners, especially these women's teams who are actually registering good results across the world. Well, Sean, as we were mentioning earlier on, at the end of the day, it's a snowball effect. The more, the more females play football, the more are going to join in. The more uh, matches are portrayed on TV, um, the more sponsors will join in and and the industry altogether will grow. So the message to, to all these people making it possible is that as any industry that is really at, uh, at the beginning, you really have to push for it, but, but it will come. Obviously, uh, we have seen in American soccer, there is a huge appetite for female soccer. Yes. Their audiences are incredible. Um, they, they, we, we have so many references. You were talking about Megan Rapinoe and, and some others that are leading the way. And 
that's a success story. Really, mm -hmm. female soccer is much, much bigger in the US than, than male one. So there you have the case. So you don't have to really um, invite, um, create the, the will. The will is standing right in front of us. We just have to pump resources to, to female football and mm. we will have a very healthy and powerful um, industry in, 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 in a few years. Yeah. And I think one of the most amazing things I've seen on the internet, and this this word um, came from May he sold rest in peace, that is Kobe Bryant, uh, the basketball legend who passed on a few years ago, girl dad, because um, he was a dad, you know, his, his children are all girls, and he'd go to these games with his daughter, um, rest in peace, one of his daughters also passed away. And then we saw that just falling into the sports scene in the United States where they have girl-dad moments. And you have these amazing pictures on the internet, Marian, where you see, you know, dads taking their girls to the soccer games, training with them. They have family fun days. It is as simple as that, but that culture has grown. And we are now seeing it when it comes to the to their league in the United States. We are seeing when it comes to the national team and the results they are, you know, giving out. We are seeing, they even have a voice where they said, we want equal pay. This is what we are bringing to the table. And that has developed uh, for the, the women there, both leaders um, involved in different initiatives and both the players to have a voice. And that is what we are talking about on this podcast. You know, also women having a voice. They have developed that confidence when it comes to soccer across uh, the United States. And I think it's very, very powerful, Marian. Such a small thing that has literally um, bowled into this big thing and helped the soccer when it comes to United States, Marian. Sure. No, no, I couldn't agree more with you. Hundred um, percent. And now we were talking about the female or, or the so-called uh, performance side. But mm -hmm. think of, of all the executive, female executives that could be joining in. Um, mm -hmm. We have a problem in Spain with that. Um, and why I'm saying we have a problem because only, uh, I don't know what the data are in, in Africa, but in Spain, I can tell you that out of the people studying masters in sports management, only 12% of the students are female, which means that, you know, if they are not interested in studying um, sports management, they, they're not going to get uh, to the top. Okay, so somehow this is a joint effort. We have to follow more the sports, but we have to be inspired by Fatma Samoura, uh, Eden was mentioning, all these big institutions should have more females so that they can be a reference to the world. But uh, women or, or little girls have to understand that on top of playing football or, or practicing any other sports, actually the sports industry is also a professional career they can follow. Yes. But unless they see it, you know, we will never be able to change. Wonderful. And I think these are some of the lessons, as I said, uh, the good thing with WFS brings the continents together. And I think this is one thing, you know, Europe can learn from the other side of North America, you know, bring, you know, as because I, I understand if the girls, if the dads are, are 24 seven, you know, taking care of the girls, making sure they're going for their soccer sessions, making sure they are involved in the girls' soccer side, this, this will automatically, you know, 
grow up into the leadership positions and everything because it provides some sort of confidence. And speaking of leadership, um, at one of the WFS, that is Africa, one of the guests, Lydia Mwenyepao from the South African Football Association, said having more women at the top of sports organizations, it's about being intentional, about growing the involvement of women in football. Someone who is playing football now doesn't just suddenly wake up and decide that they want to go into administration. It's important to link education to football. So how do we get more women to be involved in leadership roles when it comes to the game, Marian? Well, here again, uh, young girls has to see sports as a, as a dedication, but also as a future, uh, as a future professional career. And uh, here again, we are, I know we are repeating ourselves, but actually the recipe is very, very simple. Mm-hmm. You have to see more girls and more ladies in, in, in leadership positions. They have to inspire you. And not only in the boardrooms, I'm also talking uh, trainees, uh, therapists, uh, psychologists, you know. The more we have this normality, um, the more we are going to, to grow the business. And in, in, in regards to the question of how to do it, um, you just have to make it happen. I mean, it's simple enough. You know it's going to work. You know that mixed uh, teams are more efficient than, I mean, the gender mixed um, teams. So reality has shown that. So, I mean, you just have to take the lead and make the decision. Let me tell you, in an organization such as La Liga here in Spain, 42% of the steering committee is led by by women, you see? So it's just a decision that President Tebas took at some point, you know? And here again, reality proved him right. So just go and do it. Mm. Mm. For me, me, one, one thing that keeps coming over and over again as we speak is that representation is extremely key. In fact, it is the bridge that links the current generation to the next generation. Because I remember when I was growing up, my dad spoke about players like Rivaldo, Romario, Pelé. And those were reps from the old generation that linked to our generation. And I'm going to talk about Messi, Ronaldo, Salah, Mani, and all those other stars to my children. So if women have people who are playing at the very top level, and who are doing the very best on the pitch, as well as having women who are in the boardroom and also performing at the very top level on the same level are people like Joao Havelange, Slebata, Platini, um, um, we see with Infantino right now, it makes it very easy for a woman to say, oh, I'd love to play. It makes it very easy for a woman to say, oh, I'd love to be in the management position. And I say this because Back at WFS Africa, on one of the panel discussion, an idea came to mind when we were discussing, I think that the panel discussion had to do with how to transform um, academies in Africa. An idea that came to mind that we need to start looking at academies are not just for playing, but for entrance into the business side of sports. So for example, for every 10 athletes that come through, there should be 10 people who would be interested potentially in the long run in the business side, be it marketing, partnership, fun engagement, be it the business, be it um, mental health, be it physio. Because these people, of course, some of them will not have chance to go 
professionally, but they'll still want to be involved in sports. So for instance, if you come in at the tender age of 12, by the time you are 18, 19, 20, you would have gained the expertise on the business side, on how to be a sports marketer, on how to be um, a sports business journalist, on how to be um, a leader within the sports field, on how to understand partnerships. That way, you have a sustainable model where the right amount of people who are playing are coming through and the right amount of people who understand the business side are also coming through. So there's no gap in saying that we don't have enough women representatives within the business side because now we have them coming through at a very young age, gaining the knowledge, including to that, what I think sports organizations and federations and clubs can do, especially for their women, is that right now, they should start signing deals with academic institutions like um, as, uh, like ISDE in Spain, like UCFB in the UK, where they have a partnership that says that these are the women who play for our team. By the time they are done playing, we want you to educate them in whatever course within sports business that they are passionate about so that they then come back into the organization. And I potentially see this as something that the PFA or Fifth Pro can adopt to. Once you combine these two academies for the younger ones and then um, an educational path right to the plane for the older ones, within the next five to 15 years, you can't tell me, you really cannot tell me that there are no experienced people out there with the right expertise because now you've tackled it at a grassroots level, you've tackled it at a post-playing level and you've made the, 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 the playing field equal. That is what I personally believe can be that potential route into the right leadership um, potential for them. And Sean and Marianne, what do you think about that? Well, I, I, I totally agree with you, but you have touched upon a very important point, which is education. In, in Spain, only 0.02% of people attending academies, I'm not just saying no academies, football club academies, get to becoming football players, professional football players, which means that if we want to avoid all these young girls or young or, or boys, the younger generation getting frustrated if they don't make it to professionalism, they have to educate themselves and say, hey, perhaps you're not going to score goals for Real Madrid, but you can be working for Real Madrid. Real Madrid has over... Uh, I believe 600 or 700 employees, you can be one of them and make a change and make a difference. So education as, as in any other sectors in, in life, you know, it's so important. And very often in sports, it seems to me that it is somehow disregarded, you know, as um, second best. And no, it has to go hand in hand. And the more we... Um, get people to understand that they can make it professionally or professionally on, on the institution side, not on the field side, um, it's going to be good for them, for the, for the whole generation and for, and for society altogether because also you come to think about football players, they have a short, um, a short career and many of them go bankrupt after their professional mm -hmm. success career. And you say, how come they have earned so much money? And it has gone away just like this, you know, because they were lacking information and education. 
I agree. And and that's the same thing when Adam was talking, I was thinking about education. And I feel like in Africa, we also have to do it a bit differently. We have to come up with, you know, courses and uh, different ways of how we can educate our African masses. Because Adam, you know, sometimes when you just present information like textbook to our some of our fellow Africans, they'll be like, no, or they won't get it through. So there's so many ways we can come up on how to educate the masses, especially, you know, how they can get involved, how, especially the young girls, how they can get involved. We can come up with ways with of how we can develop their confidence, because I feel that is one of the biggest things that is missing when it comes to women in society, when it comes to young girls, and just tell them this opportunity is, it's an equal world. You can also go for this opportunity, because I also feel like, especially here in my country, there are so many women who might who want to be involved in soccer football but they can't do that because as we said with marian earlier they are a bit afraid they're a bit afraid of what the world will say or how the world will take them so they end up in actually a depressed state because they did not fulfill uh their passion that is burning in their heart so that is one uh, key point education and different ways of making sure you know the federations officials everyone who's involved in the sport goes through and tries and, and does it and specializes it in it and helps the future generation understand that this this is needed, especially in the girls' world. This is very well needed. Uh, speaking of being, you know, depressed, Marian, we understand. I can't even imagine your shadow when, whenever someone says Happy New Year, and you know, oh my goodness, a new year. We have all these places to go to. We have all these people to talk to. We have we have to make sure the events we put up, they are very educative. They are very informative. We have to make sure everywhere we go that we actually, you know, made an impact. And mental health, you know, in all when it comes to women in sport and women involved in sport in leadership positions in all positions mental health is actually an important topic and it's in here in africa it's a topic we have always just pushed it to the side and we will we will tie it to so many different things adam understands it will be tied to witchcraft it will be tied to you're a woman you need to be strong you know and and that has really taken us back as a continent it has taken so many women back and also just making them not have that confidence that we are talking about so it's an important topic that we cannot ignore in the world of football and i'm glad they're highlighting it right now so what are some of the ways even you as a leader marian um women footballers officials when when you sit down and you know you know i have a family back at home i have this crazy schedule and i also with the passion in my heart i have to make sure these events are successful and the world is actually understanding it and going through so how do you actually balance that and how can women overcome this marian well, um, you always have to have a right balance in life if you want to have a successful life or at least a happy one, a happy one. I'm happy enough with having a, not a successful one, but a happy one, okay? Um, and for that, I think this is something that actually females bring into organizations, the fact that we are not afraid of saying, I'm tired, I cannot do it, or I'm stressed, or I have a problem. We we, I, I feel that we um, find it easier somehow to verbalize all these problems, okay? And we can help out our colleagues in the working environment to, to speak out if they don't feel fine. So this is all about taking things as they come. I mean, if you have a problem, if you have a, a depression, whatever, 
no big deal. You have to speak about it. We will find a remedy. I mean, it's not going to help if you if you keep it to yourself. So we have to, as we were talking earlier on, in regards to disabilities. So we have to talk about all these subjects because they are present on our daily lives. So we may as well talk about them and and not see them as a taboo. At the end of the day, nobody is Superman or Superwoman. So you might feel down, you might feel, you might feel tired, you might need the support of your colleagues, of your family, and there is nothing wrong with asking for help. So in that sense, I think we have to be more brave and we have to speak things openly and um, and, and make, uh, in that sense, make a, a contribution to, to society. Yes, Adam, uh, what, what are your thoughts on, on the mental health topic when it comes to, especially the African continent? Uh, mental health, it's, it's for a very long time, even currently hasn't been given its right presence conversation-wise and also investment-wise because there's this very backward mentality here that says that a man should never complain, a man should always be on, a man should never have issues, a man should always know how to handle everything. Literally, a man should be a robot where you, you don't even show pain. But that is very problematic because women are emotional as men are. Men are made of emotions. We have hormones in our, inside of us. If you should stab me with a knife right now, I would feel pain, I would bleed. If I should fall down the stairs right now and break my leg, I will feel pain. So we are not wood or buildings that wouldn't, even if we hit a building with a wrecking ball, would, would crumble. That should, that should tell you that anything can break down given the right kind of stimulus that comes through. And in Africa here, it's not been given the, 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 the right investment. So we've seen so many men fall on the way. And even for women, it's worse. Women are not allowed to complain. In fact, because of the mental health alone, Women are not given opportunities to champion themselves. They're not given opportunities to become better in life because there's always this mentality that, oh, a woman will break down easily. Uh, she can't handle the stress. And I remember during the time that the prime minister of New Zealand um, resigned from her job and she gave her her reasons. I, I, I felt very empowered. In fact, I yeah. was proud of her. I was like, very this courageous. is how it should Exactly. This is mm. how it should be. In fact, men... I, I kid you not, men go through the same thing that she does, but a man would not be brave or honest or humble enough to come and say that, you know, I'm going through all of this. I just want to take a break. Like you said, Marianne, the ego in men is really that bad. And it doesn't allow us to even as men ourselves talk about mental health. So we are our own, you know, devils. We are our own, um, you know, issues that creating it we, we shoot ourselves in the foot because we are saying that oh let's bring men to her but at the same time the same person that oh no as a man she shouldn't complain she's just taking the problems and continue men should be able to say i'm tired i want to take a step back i can't give my all if i'm bending out and women really and the the the, the kudos and congratulations to the ex-prime minister of new zealand i really hold in high esteem now 
to be able to do what she did because she put the country ahead of her. She put a job ahead of her. She put the responsibilities of people ahead of her. And if only the men on this continent can do that, we will certainly see a rise in mental health. Because at the end of the day, like you said, Marianne, nobody is superman. Nobody is superwoman. You can't solve all the country's problem. You can only do your very best. And when you start to consider your mental health, you would know where your limits are. Wow, uh, this conversation is just is just the one. So excited to have Marian uh, Otamendi as our first guest of this Women's Sport Development Series. Adam, I'm so excited. I wish this would be longer, but I know we will continue, you know, going deep into these conversations one by one. And that's why there's the World Football Summit. They get deep into this conversation. It's not just business and sports and partnerships alone. There's part of the player development, you know, part. There's there's a part where they go out and they talk about they have conversations centering on how you know player welfare across the world so always keep it at world football summit and now we come to the plans of 2023 marian as i said earlier i cannot imagine your schedule and what is happening right now once you know we, we get into a new year talk to us about 2023 when it comes to the wfs well we will have uh lots of different things going on at World Football Summit. First, uh, first of all, on the 9th of, uh, of June, we will host the Football Innovation Forum. This is um, a niche event on sustainability on football and innovation. We do it in Ankara, in Turkey, because the Champions League final is going to take place there. So we take advantage of the big uh, the big fishes that are going to be around, so we will gather them together, and um, and this is going to be just for one day. Then the seventh edition of WFS Europe will be coming in 20th and 21st of September. WFS Europe in Sevilla again. Um, I wait for you there, guys. Make sure you make it, okay? Because we are going yes, to do we will. <laughs> yeah, good, good. That's the right answer. We are gonna have fun, we are gonna learn best practices, we are going to do a lot of networking, so it's gonna be a big one. So make sure you don't you don't miss it. Now we are also working on an Asian edition. Unfortunately, I cannot disclose the destination yet, you know, but as soon as as I can, you will be the first ones to know. So we are hoping to have our second edition of WFS Asia end of November, uh, beginning of December this year. And this is because we, we thought, as Adam said, um, back in 2020, we were about to, to do our first African edition in Durban when pandemic arrived. And that was in the month of March. So we believe that for the African continent, the month of March is the best month. Um, so we would like to host our second edition of WFS Africa in the month of March, 2024. In the meantime, for sure, we will have plenty of surprises. I will keep you up to date. We also plan to do a women's football summit. We are looking for the right um, destination. We would also love to um, to go to to w, to go to America, probably Mexico, because at the end of the day, now that uh, 
Uh, Qatar World Cup is over. The next one is going to be the Americas one, the one yeah. hosted by the US, Canada, and Mexico. So somehow we have to do something in the Americas to get ready well ahead of the next uh, World Cup. And as I said, plenty of uh, small uh, events that will take place all, uh, all around uh, this exciting year that we have ahead. So as you see, I'm keeping myself and my team very, very busy. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it's wonderful. And and I can't wait to attend some some of these events. I'm actually really looking forward to. And you Adam? I mean, for me, sign me up. I've I've been looking to be part of WFS Europe for a very long time because there's so many lessons learned and the audience is just mm -hmm. so big and there's so much that they can take from Africa as well. So when we have reps from Africa being there, it becomes a knowledge um, sharing on both sides, which is extremely fantastic. And having the opportunity to go into Asia as well, you know, having a bigger presence within the Asian market and potentially even going to the Americas with Mexico, that will be great. I would love to be at all of these events. I can't wait for them to come. I'll do my very best to be there in person and get to mm -hmm. enjoy them and really just build. I was telling Jabu before we even joined WFS last year in Durban that I started following the page on LinkedIn when I was doing my master's and they constantly hit with content when it comes to sports. You know, so many people copy and paste and show a front that you're doing something. But when you see people being original, you can even yeah. just tell. And I, I constantly listen to the podcast as well because when in, you're doing podcasts, to be able to become better at something, you need to listen or read from the people who are doing the same thing as you are. So for me, the more I interact with the BFS, the more my interest rate goes up, the more my activation goes up. And yeah. I really can't wait for us to meet again and just develop this thing and, and who knows we may potentially work on projects in the future and just grow the football and the sports game exciting times ahead exciting times ahead my and we can't wait so you know we've talked about this more than twenty thousand attendees more than i mean 15 events more than 2900 companies involved what is your final message to all these stakeholders who are involved in the wfs especially the ones who are now putting the conversations around women's football marian well, from uh, World Football Summit, we will keep pushing for women's football uh, at all levels. My message to them, uh, as I said earlier, would be be brave. You're, you're not discovering anything new. Um, America is already discovered, you know. The business, uh, the business is great. So go and get it. Make your contribution. Don't be afraid. And just before I go, let me tell you, I'm very glad for what Adam has said in terms of saying that um, he's learning from World Football Summit because we pride ourselves in being a platform. So you guys are part of our big family. You are also making your contribution because you're taking, um, you are helping the professionalization of the industry. You're doing your yes. podcast. You're mm -hmm. doing your pedagogy, your education there in Africa. So we are all on the same boats. So I'm really delighted that we are collaborating, exchanging ideas, being inspired by each other. So I can only thank you for, for the invitation. And I really hope it's going to be the first one of many to come. Yes, we would love to have you 
over and over again, Marion, for you to just continue sharing your knowledge and wisdom, uh, especially in the world of football. Thank you. Thank you so much, Adam. Uh, I mean, here it takes force. Mariano yes. Tamendi, the director of World Football Summit, coming to us with everything, all the insights in World Football Summit and in women's football and in women's sports and as to why it's important to continue focusing. It's been in a really exciting conversation with Sean and Marianne. I have learned so much. I know that Marianne and Sean has learned so much. We thank you mm -hmm. once again, our audience, for continually being a part of this journey. We do hope that you enjoy this series as much as we enjoy bringing it to you. Till next week and the next time we bring this episode, thank you and goodbye. Thank you so much and thank you once again, Marianne.